Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the upcoming doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs, it doesn't matter. We're here to talk about all the best and the brightest as they make their way to their dream careers. I'm your host, Jonathan Carr. Join me as we have a spectacular conversation with an equally spectacular person. You ready? Let's go. Hello, world, and welcome to The Upcoming, the perfect place to catch the best and brightest on their way to the top. Joining me now for The Upcoming's 23rd episode. You're going to love this one, folks. So, coming from Nigeria, he is now his music is now being heard in 89 countries. He's part of the uh, group, uh, Kel World and Night Shack, and they have led in Afro and Trap and many other genres to create some bangers, including Angali Affair, Rose Gardens, and therapy, which is one of my personal favorites. So now he's here to talk about his life, his music, and what drives him. Oh, just everything. And pretty soon you might end up seeing him in the Grammy Awards. So, ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you Cal World. How's it going, Cal? I'm all good, bro. How are you? I am well. Thanks so much. Yeah. So, Cal, one thing about the upcoming is I always allow my guests to introduce themselves. So, in your own words, who and what exactly are you? Oh, uh, I am a musical artist. I, uh, I'm a young teenager hoping to inspire my generation with my sound and looking for a bigger platform to put music out there. Uh, I see. So, you're just an artist trying to make sure that your your name, your music, everything is just heard and just yeah. spread throughout the world pretty much yeah i saw a little bit of an intro too it said that you and uh your partner uh, nyshack y'all were uh starting out in high school just uh making music and eventually classmates heard it and you know just encouraged you to continue doing it is that true yeah, yeah very true uh it's actually a very interesting story so i think uh ever since i was young i was a lover of music i would make melodies even if it was gibberish I would listen to songs all the time and everything. So I was always singing in high school. And uh, a friend of mine, a girl, she went like, uh, if, you, if you're this good at singing, why not just become a musician and all of that? And then the lockdown happened and 2020, the coronavirus and all of that. And uh, everything just fell into place. Yeah, when the lockdown happened, that was probably one of the craziest events, I'm sure, for you because yeah. the way it happened. So suddenly, everyone's just getting, you know, being told, like, stay at home, don't, no social, like, interactions, wear a mask. Just, it's just such a huge change in people's lives and lifestyles. So how did it first affect you when uh, you were being um, told and instructed of what's doing in the lockdown? Um, I think the most, the most awkward thing about the lockdown was school. You know, uh, had to stay at home to school from the house, you know, and it was so much easier to ignore classes when you're working at home to forget about assignments when you're home and being at home all day. You can't go nowhere. It, it's it was kind of like at first it was like really, really boring and you, everyone's at home alongside with that. So you see yourselves even more often. It's easier to get into arguments and fights and all of that. So. What I picked up from this was the the, the whole lockdown life just got kind of boring. You say you can go anywhere, you can see your friends yeah. and everything. 
Uh, yeah, I definitely feel that. Yeah. yeah, when you were when you were first starting out your music, mm-hmm. uh, what sort of what sort of instruments were you using, like production wise, or, or how did you first like start out, like when you were playing music and production together to create the songs that uh, your classmates like to hear? Oh, that was, that's a very interesting one. So, um, initially, I was only making covers of artists I like, like Post Malone, Juice WRLD, and instrument-wise, I had basically nothing. I couldn't buy no instruments because the lockdown, nothing is going on. So all I had was my phones and headphones. So we would record and like, send each of the clips to record over that using uh, different apps on our phones trying to piece music together. And it was very interesting that they liked that kind of sound, showing that, um, oh, we had nice lyrics, we had a nice flow, but the production was still kind of shaky. So in time, people were just telling us to invest more into uh, the sound of the music to make it better. And that's what kind of what we look to do and keep on working on. I see, I see. Yeah, it's got it's got to be definitely a challenge at first, like not having uh, instruments or any like productions, because yeah. a lot of um, rappers, a lot of rappers, like in, a lot of musicians, really have it easy when they got like a whole recording studio yeah. and like producers and engineers and everything. But uh, when you tell me a little bit more about your uh, partnership with uh, Night Shack when you y'all first got together, so when y- y'all were um, you know, first collaborating, first getting the idea of music together. Just like take us a little bit more through that. All right. Um, is he was a classmate in high school, and basically when he came out a day like, oh, I rap now. I made this song. I made this song. Um, it was a shock to everyone because I think he was the first to do it. I've been trying to like make covers in the background for a few years on and off, but I never like came out and said like, oh, I made this sound. So he was the first to. Uh, show the class like look i made this sound and when he did that i was like all right i'll show their mind too and they received it quite well so we did um in the class group on whatsapp we did a couple diss tracks at each other entertaining the group and all of that and they were really enjoying it and they and then the same girl that suggested i get into music said again um how about you guys collaborate on something for the class and then we we joined heads together let's make a song for our class and uh since we joined heads together to make a song, we, we just never separated. We just kept going, and it, it felt so natural making music with him. Gotta love that, you know, just when you just that that chemistry you have, where you're able to like get together and you realize, yeah, this is this is this could work. This we we got something here. Yeah. And, and but were there ever times where you two like you know? like argued or fought over like the way a certain song should go or up to this point i won't say we have any um arguments on how the song should go uh the, the work just kind of flows it gets itself naturally you know nice like i would say he's one of the most talented uh, uh rappers and singers i've ever seen he, he comes up with flows instantaneously he, his freestyles are absolutely amazing so most of the times i walk in the chorus and he gets everything else handled and the way he does it, it seems so natural and exploring and everything he does is just amazing for me, really. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Surely. So, that's, yeah, that's sort of like talent that one can have 
and just being and just being able to inspire you. And but uh, let me ask you this next thing: when you're when you see the um, like Nightshack's ability to handle uh, his lyrics and just come up with ideas, does it yeah. make you feel any sort of way like maybe a little competitive? Really, like I, mean, I gotta see if I can like try to one up there, see if I can like come up with like those kind of flows and try to beat him. Um, I'll say uh, his work helps me get better and my work helps him get better. You know, to to match each other's pace, to grow at the same um, uh, stage. And I know that if I shine, he shines. And if he shines, I shine. It's, it's the main reason our names are joined, you know? So I kind of, like, from the very get-go, I eliminated the idea of a competition between us. I knew at some point uh, people will compare and all of that. And like, oh, I like Kel better, I like Knight better, but I, I made up my mind before we even got into the duo that, no, I won't let this get to me, I won't let it get to any of us, the competition. It's all, if Knight Shark shines, I shine, and if I shine, he shines, and that's it, you know? Yeah, so so you're, just, you're both just in this together, like yeah. lifting each other up. Yeah. That's, that camaraderie right there, it's, I don't see it very often in... Um, in music groups, they got to be really tight knit. Because yeah. I noticed, because you just look at like a lot of um, popular uh, like music groups, and they'll split up for a number of reasons, like be it financially, personally, mm-hmm. uh, creatively. Like creative differences is often a reason for groups uh, splitting up, and so it really. So for me to hear you guys are. Like just that tight knit, you guys just able to just build each other up like that. I'm like, okay, good. You guys got it together. You know, you guys really got something beautiful. So thank you. Yeah, of course. So let's talk a little bit more about the tracks you guys been able to put out so far. Because I said I've um, heard a couple of your tracks, and I want to talk about let's just say your EP. Um, oh, uh, I think it was a uh, love and uh, love mm-hmm. and bruises. Yeah, yeah, love and bruise. There we go. So I looked through uh, a couple of uh, your songs, and you know, you guys really—I've noticed there's sort of like a bit of a like dark and light tone to some of your music. And I think the darker tone comes like through the production in a way. Then you kind of just blend that with um, extra light with your um, with your lyrics. So when you are like writing songs and like get the uh, production ready, what's something that's you're always like thinking about when writing, um, when writing, and if like the whole light darkening that I mentioned uh, has anything to do with it. Yeah. Um. You see, I try my best to be int- intentional with my lyrics because I'm of the opinion that music is like a powerful tool for societal change and development individually and a larger scale. Um. I experienced it personally with the uh, um, Juice World. I felt so intimate with his sound and everything. So when I write, I try to um, be very intentional about what I'm saying and what I'm putting down on the paper. So, um, yes, that light and that thing, uh, it comes with the aspect that there are some dark elements to life. There are some sad things about, like, you know, teenagers and heartbreak. You see some teenagers on drug addiction, on, on alcohol addiction and all of that. So I want to be able to talk about that aspect while as well also be fun and happy and talk about the good things of life. 
you know, because um, there's a saying that as far as there's life, there's hope. So tell me a little bit about your influence with Juice World, because I know he was a huge uh, inspiration for you, and he definitely, um, I mean, you can name Kel World, you know, Juice World. Yeah. Definitely taking a lot um, from Juice World. So just tell me just how much he was um, to you as an artist. Um, I'll say Juice World is my biggest inspiration to date, and uh, I discovered his music later on, and uh, I think about half a year till his death, that's when I listen to Juice World and I remember vividly the night I had his song. I really listened to his song for the first time, you know. Everyone knew Lucid Dreams and all it was a big hit. Everyone sang the lyrics. But then I didn't really know Juice World till um I heard his song Legends. And I remember um I used it to solve a math equation the night before a test and I I heard the song because my um playlist was on shuffle. So I heard the song and I and I went back and I put it on repeat. And I listened to it throughout the night. And the next day when I came back from the test, I played it again. And I was like, who is this guy? And then I discovered he was one of the sound lucid dreams. And I listened to all his songs, Death Race for Love and everything. And I was like, wow, this is this is beautiful music, you know? And he, he reminded me so much of Post Malone. And it came a long way of listening to Post Malone and the way Post Malone sang and he rapped and everything. And I loved it. And I... Reminded me of Drake and the way Drake rapped because I always felt I couldn't make rap music, but then I had Drake rap and I was like, wow, this is this is some snack um flow with and all. So just was like a perfect blend of all these artists that were prerequisite to me listening to rap music and all of that and the lyrics, what he sang about, you could really see it happening. You know, the drug addiction, the heartbreaks and all of that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just such so a shame. Just he's gone like so soon, 21. Yeah. But yet, what he was able to talk about um, with drug addiction, with heartbreak, with mm-hmm. just personal issues, really. And that's why I thought a lot about you, Kel, because like Jews, you also talk about, you know, just like, like let's take your song, you know, Therapy, which is just like, I took it as like just open like little love letter towards like mental health and with like you know like just getting through darkness so when you were writing like therapy like just what exactly was uh, I just want to hear from now from you like what was the message and the like just thoughts behind that song that you wanted to bring to others um uh you know you know, recent times, mental health is such a big deal and all of that. And everyone is. I think uh, I heard one time that depression is at all-time high, anxiety and all of that. So, uh, like, uh, I said in the ending, uh, um, I'm with my therapist and we're doing things and all of that. You know, there's this hypersexuality in our society and there's also all these problems. So I was trying to, like, highlight these things that are going on. You know, I said something about running up to heaven. And all of that. I was trying to highlight the problems that I see and um, how I'm seeing it and how uh, I feel people are facing it. Because I wouldn't say personally, I ex- I've experienced a lot. I mean, I'm just 17, so I wouldn't say I've seen a lot. I've experienced a lot, but definitely I see and I read and um, I, I am, uh, sympathize with my society as a whole, with the struggles and the pains and all of that. So 
I was trying to put out my personal thoughts into it in that song. I see. Wow. So you're right. Mental health in this time is definitely just critical for everybody because, yeah. you know, this is because I, I was telling another dude about this. Um, uh, I was told back in episode uh, 18, but like, this is hip hop where people are like rappers are not making it to 40, not making it to even 30. Like, yeah. Juice World was one example. Takeoff, there was a recent rapper just died at 28, and just many other rappers like getting shot or killing themselves, or, like drug overdoses, just alcoholism. There's just so many things yeah. that can mess people up just as people, you know, just the depression, the anxiety, everything. And it's also just the pressures of the music industry and of fame of everything. So mm-hmm. as you continue to, so I just want to hear this now from you, Kel, as someone who's trying to build up his music and build up uh, the name Kel World Night Shack, how do you, like, what are all the ways you try to, like, guard and maintain your mental health so you can keep going? Uh, I'll say, really, music is my greatest escape from anything. You know, if I ever feel a certain way, I just put headphones on and I make a song about it, you know? And um, being a religious person, I also believe in God, you know? So I feel that's also a way for me. So I, I, I try my very best to help myself and help the people around me to keep it a clean air for growth, an environment that promotes growth. An environment that promotes growth, huh? Yeah. That's good. You're lifting yourself up and trying to lift others up as well. But in the best way to do that is through music, your inspiration, your biggest influence. So, still... Yeah, I got. I can't help but think about the genres and subgenres you put together to create your your tracks, because you blended um, I know Afro and uh, trap together to uh, make some like a lot of your music, and yeah. trap is especially a uh, popular uh, genre in or subgenre in hip hop. You hear it practically all the time, not just useful, but Migos, Scotty B, Future, and so it just made me think of uh, a quote, a quote from um, from this uh, poet. It says, I don't want smooth sailing. I want a rainstorm. Ordinary is something we should all be running from. So and when I was hearing your music, that made me think a lot about you, Kel. How do you try to break from the ordinary and, like, try to avoid being, like, just like amongst all the other rappers and just truly like help Kel World Night Shack become like their own duo, like to set apart from everybody else. Hi. Um I'll say in Nigeria, the first thing is in Nigeria, um Afrobeat is the biggest. Um every other genre comes after like miles under Afrobeat. So it's Afrobeat first and everything else follows. So um, when I started out music, you know, with the Juice World inspiration, I wanted to sound like Juice World. That was my first goal. Like, I wanted to sound like Juice World, mimic him in my best way possible. And then you hear people say, like, dude, you're, you're really, really good and all of that. But uh, 
this kind of salmon is sold in Nigeria. And I was like, interesting. But then um, I won't say I was the best at Afrobeats. It didn't come so naturally as hip hop would for me. So um, I thought about it and I realized that if I could so carefully imitate this sound, then I don't think any sound should be so difficult for me to hop on. So as a music group, Kelwood and Nightshapel, I think our biggest boast would be that in the music industry, there is no sound that we cannot make. You know, be it soul music, trap, Afrobeats, um, reggae, we will do like everything and anything really. You know, we could bring trap into reggae, we could bring Afrobeats into reggae, we could make all those different amazing sounds, uh, you know, diversity, as diverse as we possibly can and not limit ourselves with the constraints of a genre, you know? So um, I've had friends come up to me and be like, how is it possible for you, for you to make this song? You know, I have a ton of unreleased songs that I send privately to some people and they're like, um, I thought you do trap. How are you doing this? I thought you do this song, you know? Because I had a, I have a, reggae, a reggae song recorded and, and when people heard it, they were like, you do reggae, like, that's odd. That's not what I expected. You know, they used to the, the melodic trap, you know, the, the Afro beats and they were like, wow. Yeah. You know, it's really something, because um, reggae is just another um, well internationally known genre right there. Mm-hmm. And aside from like Afro and trap, but now I just got to hear about like your takes on like just this sort of just international genres that come about. It's not just, you know, reggae or like in the Caribbean or trap in like America, but also I want to think about like if you've heard like maybe Latin or, you know, different um, like French, different music, just music from like different countries, different um, genres, different cultures that sort of give it, um, give inspiration, give ideas. Can you tell us a little bit more about um, your take on those like different genres of different cultures yeah um i've had a few um latin uh, latino artists and all of that and even if i can't really understand what they're saying but i i always try my best to appreciate good music and uh i understand that music is storytelling so they're definitely telling a story uh that that's about them and their community and their culture so um it's actually very interesting when I hear the, the Latin because the the Spanish music sounds so similar to Afrobeats. It takes like a really keen knowledge of music to separate the both of them, you know, because they usually have the same pattern of the drums and everything. They're both music for dance and and uh, all of that. So um, I see the similarities. I enjoy the similarities. I spot the differences and I appreciate it. I think the most interesting thing about me and this music difference um genres of music is you know I had a friend from um from China and uh he he spoke Cantonese in his trap music. It was like a, a heavy metal trap kind of um mm. blend. And he spoke Cantonese in it as his native tongue in, in the song and I was really intrigued by that how well he could blend trap and his native tongue and I was like wow. And you know the Latin musicians also do the same thing. They speak Espanol in inside uh, their songs. And it's very interesting for me because I, I would say I'm the most fluent in my native tongue. So to see other people do this, tell their stories in their native tongue, 
I really appreciate it and enjoy it. Even if I, I don't personally understand the lyrics, but I really enjoy their songs. Yeah, this is so enjoyable. And I love that. Even if you can't understand it, you know, you appreciate that they're talking about similar things as you, you know, whether it be heartbreak, yeah. false gloves, depression. It's, it's, it's so interesting, really, how even people from different countries, different parts of the world, speaking different languages or having different cultures can all feel like the same things. It's just, just further proving that, you know, we're all human and we all feel the yeah. same things. Truly. Yeah. But I never heard of that. So your friend spoke Cantonese, but did heavy metal trap. Yeah. Those are two genres I really did not expect to exactly. hear, hear together. Exactly. Yeah. Like, wow. <laughs> but it really does speak a lot about how you can sort of blend genres. It's like mixing two colors on a palette together. You know, just mm-hmm. like merging, let's say merging jazz with, I don't know, just merging jazz with like with trap or with like merging like Latin with reggae or like mm-hmm. K-pop with rock. You know, it's it's all like comes together. What it's, what do you make of how people of like how people can like take different genres or subgenres and just like blend them all together to create something? Um, the first thing I see of a person that blends genres together, I, I it gives the impression of being open-minded, you know, because the person obviously hasn't restricted himself to listening to one genre. The person has listened to varieties and and loves these genres that he has mixed together perfectly. And it helps to a certain level of genius to be able to take this, an element of this, and take an element of this, and fuse them perfectly together to create something even more beautiful than the original work. You know, um, I, when I hear such things, I'm like, this is absolutely amazing. Like um, a Nigerian artist, probably one of the biggest in Nigeria, Burna Boy, he, he created Afrofusion. He he listened to a different sounds, trap, rap, um, Afrobeats, reggae, and he kind of created this Afrofusion where you get elements from different styles of music inside his sound, and it's unique. And when you hear an, a Brunner Boy song come up, and there is no doubt that's Brunner Boy. That, that's him carving a niche for himself. Just the definition of an artist right there. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now I just want to hear a little bit more about, let's just go back again to um, you and uh, Nyshack putting music together because I heard, uh, I watched, well, as I read, I read a blog from uh, one of your collaborators, uh, Dizzy Beats, who uh, said how he talked about how he connected with you guys and put me together. And apparently, y'all have gone through, like, just a whole bunch of mixes. He said about, like, ten mixes before you finally found, yeah. like, that one, that one that was perfect for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's just sort of that, like, grinding that, um, attitude where I just had to talk to you more about it. You know, when you and Nightshack are looking for that sort of mix, where, where – let me just – let me just say it like this. What – tune or like sound are you looking for that makes you just when you hear it you just go like that's it that's the one that's the one um there isn't a clear uh, definition for it though i think uh whenever we create we have a mix i listen to it through the day you know 
while I'm going on my way to classes, whether I'm at home doing some assignments, I listen to it, listen to it. I listen to it consciously, trying my best to find a flaw, something I don't like, something that won't be pleasant to the ear. And I take that out and I replace it with something that sounds nice. So um, I basically um, use intuition for everything. I listen, it sounds nice, I put it. If it doesn't, I take it out and I replace it with something that still sounds nice. So with Dizzy Beats, we, you know, we had a couple mixes and I was like, oh, I don't like the sound I'm hearing, I don't like this. How about we do this instead? How about we do this? And we kept moving and shifting things around till I listened and I was like, I think I'm fine with this, you know? And that's how we keep going back and forth, back and forth till we get something that like, I, if I put this out, I have no doubt that I like it and it's good and I bet people will like it too. Yeah. Definitely. But you know, it's not easy because you mean that means constant like searching and like just hearing it out and like going yeah. back. It's that sort of attention to detail that people call it. That that makes you um find find the right um right tone and right sound for you. Uh, yep. You know, tell a little bit more about your relationship with um, with Dizzy Beats because he, from what I've read on the blog, he really liked what you two were able to uh, put together and the way you guys are able to take care of business. Yeah. Um. When I uh, Dizzy actually hit me up um about making the song together, and uh, I think that was like the second or third time producer hit me up to work with him, and I was like, oh, I'm eager to hear his beat, and I still dissect the beats he made. That was, um, at the time, that was a, a bit different. That was out of our comfort zone, you know? And we listened to it and we're like, it's actually a really, really nice beat. But then we looked at ourselves, could we actually do this? And we actually took it on as a challenge to make something amazing. And uh, when we recorded and all of that, we showed DJ and he absolutely liked the songs and he ended up of sending us more and more beats to like work on projects with him. I think to date we have about four songs together and we only we've only put out two of them and there's still more in the bag coming and uh I can say that the ones coming are way better than the ones that are already out. For sure. Indeed, indeed. Still a producer relationship. Is there something more about the um other producers that you guys have uh, met with in, in your time? Is there any one where, there any more where you guys just had like that, that right chemistry, that right like just place where able to like we were good as a as a team? Yeah, I had one more. Um, he does. He sent me absolutely beautiful bits, and when I listened to them, I was like, bro, I I, I was so careful recording on on his um, beats because like. I felt like this is something you should just put out and people should just listen to it alone. You know, no need for focus and all of that. It was that good. And when I heard it, I was like, bro, you're really, really like, this is, this is something. And when I got to recording with it, you know, it was easy. You know, when something is easy to record on, you know, um, the lyrics come to you easy, the melodies, the flows and everything. It's, it's almost too natural, I would say, you know, um, I, I, I think I wrote some of my, uh, one of my deepest songs. So his beats, and I listen. I, I listen to the song literally every day, but I haven't put it out yet. And Nightshark absolutely loves it, and I love it. And he's he's a phenomenal, he's a phenomenal producer. So definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's 
That just made me think when you said um, I put out a beat that was so good, you just didn't even want to have vocals on it. Got me thinking a lot of uh, artists, like especially like some of my favorite artists, are like uh, Lo-Fi, where they're able to just put out beats and there's no vocals. It's just everybody yeah. gets to sit, reflect mm-hmm. on it. You know, like your job as being a great example. But yeah, when you when you hear, let me just ask you this: What was one? Um, what was one? beat like maybe just one song just by a producer no vocals whatsoever that just made you stop like besides you know the ones here um you got put out what was this one that you heard and made you just kind of just stop and just like reflect and just just listen to it um probably um one of my biggest songs rose garden the beat when i hit the beat uh, i actually paused for a second and i was like I listened to the entire song and I and, and I played it back and I was like, I have to use this one. I definitely have to use this one. And at the point, like we're working on like an extended version of Love and Bruises, you know. And I was looking for something like a perfect outro to the perfect love story because I I wrote the Love and Bruises like a love story. You know, it starts with falling in love and then you see the process of infatuation and it's so heavenly, so divine and everything, and then heartbreak, and then it's it's left with you and dreams of the next one, how will it be? So I was looking for a perfect outro that kind of says to um, uh, don't give up on love, that kind of idea. And when I heard that beat, I was absolutely moved. And I, I said, I told Nisha, just one more, just one more. And at the point he was like, I, he was like, um, I think this is getting, like it's getting to the size of an album. And everything, I was like, just one more. And when he heard the beat, and he was like, he told me immediately, send it over. I have to, I have something I want to lay to. That was how beautiful that song was. Great. Well, to say, <laughs> producer did a pretty good job. Just yeah, putting it was a really, really good job. Oh, man. God, you got to love that. So let's just hear a little, let's just talk a little bit more about Rose Gardens. You know, I heard the song and I was just like, wow, this is beautiful. This is like poetry right here. You know, mm-hmm. when you were here, when you and Nightshack heard the vocals and you were like putting like the lyrics together, like I got to imagine you were trying to, after hearing the beauty of the, of the production, you wanted to like sort of match the, um, match in like lyricism and just like try to put out an equally like just all around yeah. beautiful song right there. So tell me more about the songwriting process behind it. Um, I think uh, after I played the beat a couple of times, you know, when it came back on again, the first thing I said was, don't you want to see the Rose Gardens? You know, going back to what I said about one simple song that talks about um, um, love is a painful game, but then you have to keep at it, you know? You have to keep trying to find what's good for you. And I, and that's how it was writing Rose Gardens. I kept that idea in mind, talking about how beautiful love is, you know, because there are so many stories of heartbreaks, of so many... Um, absolutely, uh, you know, helpful things that happen in relationships. But then I wanted to write for something, you know, just um, love, really. You know, it, I didn't want to put anything sexual in it. I didn't want to put anything abstract in it. I just wanted to write love and, and, and portray that idea of what I believe love is to people, of the emotions and everything. And I tried to... Uh, the meat has um, too much lyrics in it, so it doesn't become wordy. And I try to um, meet um, too many vocals in it, 
so that the, the beauty of the beat provokes an emotion in the listener. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a tricky thing, really, trying to hmm. like blend the vocals with the with the beats because, as you just said, you don't want it to get too word. You don't want like the vocals to like overtake the production, yeah. but you also don't want like to just let the beat go on for too long and just like kind of fade exactly. out. So it's exactly. sort of just that 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 blending right there, that that mix mm -hmm. that you want to get through. It's I imagine it's got to be pretty tricky because you're. Because there's going to be lines. I imagine there were lines in there that you wanted to have in there, but you had to like cut out. Just... Yeah, I think um, to date, Nishak talks about his uh, a verse that we had to take out for um, for it to like stay at a minimum, you know. And when I listen to the verse, I'm like, damn, did we make a mistake taking this out? Because it was absolutely beautiful. It was absolutely amazing. Like he came up, the flow he had, he just switched it up, and it was. The transition to that flow was absolutely amazing, and probably we'll release a, a version with that um, verse in it. But uh, yeah, we had to cut out some things. We had to re-record some things. You know, the outro, the intro, and all of that, piece by piece. And I've heard a little bit about you guys having to like go back and like remaster some of your work. You know, it definitely can be stressful when you've put like already finished something but then you hear it and you're just like ah let's just go back we got we gotta yeah. do that more again mm -hmm. so just tell me more about like that like um just that rewriting remastering uh process like what are you trying to build or improve on that you might have missed uh last time so um the major book we remastered we recorded and all of that was the love and bruises ep you know we first of all put it out in 2021 yeah, in 2021, and it was, you know, the recording sound wasn't so nice, and there are a few things that weren't so good about it. So we took it back to, like, more or less put out a, a stronger portrayal of the ideas we had so that the message comes out really strong and really clear to the audience. Because, like I said, music is storytelling. So to have a clear message passed to the listeners, to have the perfect listening experience, as I'll say, you know, the first time we put it out, the, the vocals were muddy. It was, it was kind of like separated from the beat. It didn't just sound right. So we had to go back and really rewrite some verses, rewrite some parts of the chorus, and we record and we match everything all from the top. I see. I see. That sounds like a pretty arduous process. Just yep. and it's a stressful one because you're just going back and it's just like I said that attention to detail where you're just having to go and rewrite every little every little second so that yeah. it's all perfect. So would you by any chance would you um call yourself a Night Shack's uh, perfect perfectionist at all or do you not believe that um are are you guys not really perfectionists? Like what's your what's your relationship with the perfection, I guess is my question. Um I'm I'm aware that nothing can be perfect. You know? because um, uh, I'm also involved in painting and all of that, so I know that there is no perfect work. There is only a work, I can only say it's, on my end, I try to reduce as much flaws as I can, you know, being intentional with the craft, you know, I, I try to make it as intentional as I can, reduce as much flaws as people would find in it as I can, 
And that's it. I'm just eliminating the flaws to give a better listening experience to make my ideas clearer. Um, I'm not looking for perfection. Perfection, um, the per it's actually confusing, but the perfection comes in the imperfect sides of it. You know, the rough edges, the this and that, that's where perfection lies, you know? And it comes from this happens, this happens, and this happens, and that's how perfection occurs. Like, we have a song in Love and Bruises that, um, we actually wrote that song for someone else. We didn't write it for ourselves. But then, um, one thing leading to another, he didn't use it. So we were like, all right, let's use this. And it came out rough, it came out muddy at first, and then we went around it continuously and we came out with something, came out with fake love. And that's how we kept doing like that, you know? So that's how I view it. Beauty of perfection is imperfection. That is, that is true. Nothing is perfect, but when you're able to follow the imperfection together, it's really something to behold. Yeah. Um, but I, I wanted to talk a little bit more because you mentioned about being a, a painter. So can you, uh, or like you, you, you dive into painting. Can you tell me a little bit about, bit more about that, um, about that um, side of your life? Yes, sure. Um, I'll say, um, I'm an artistically gifted person. So I paint, I draw, and I sing, and I write poems, lyrics, stories, and all of that. So I think the first side of my art that I really explored was the drawing and painting for a really long time. And even up to now, I do different versions of it, digital art and all of that. So with my art, there's something I was always able to do, and that's what I try to bring into my music, you know. I see ideas in different um, places, and I blend them all together to come up with a, something unique. And, that, and then whenever we have a competition in the art studio, uh, our instructor will tell others to keep their works away from my eyes, but I don't see them. Because when I see everyone, they give us a theme, and then we bring up something. Because when I see every different artwork and every everybody's portrayal of it, and I sit and reflect, and then I incorporate the ideas I like mixed in with my own um, interpretation of the theme, and I bring out something unique. And then, the, then it looks like at the end when they, my work stands beside there, it feels like they copied me, and not the other way around. And so everyone is trying to like, oh, before making an art piece, we keep it away till so that Michael doesn't see. Wow. So can I just ask a little bit more about um, your um, painting and arting? And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Your painting and art influences? Like, who are some of the people that uh, inspired you to um, get into that or create your pictures? Um, I think I just wanted to um, put what I saw and I liked on paper. Hmm. And then I, I saw... Um, Sometimes when things got kind of a bit messy, I remember seeing Bob Ross painting. I really enjoyed his painting and the way he spoke softly and his painting and everything. But if I were to say someone much more closer to me that really helped me and inspired me as an artist, I'll have to say my art instructor, Mr. Caleb. Um, you know, I, I was first more given into drawing than painting. And then he came around and I saw him and I just... I first, I think I first of all liked him as a person and I liked him as an artist. And then it all came together and I wanted to, you know, I kind of like, I looked up to him as like a mentor or something. And I wanted to like do things like he did. And then I got into painting 
I saw his style, I saw his craft, and I tried to make mine of what he was doing, of Bob Ross that I saw, of, you know, my own personal interpretation. And that's how more and more I just kept doing it. Okay. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's just really amazing how, like, teachers, people in your life can sort of can just drive you to get, get higher and grow in your skills, whether as an artist, as musician, just period. You know, so I'm happy that yeah. you had someone there to, like, guide you through that. And also, I absolutely love that you were influenced by Bob Ross, because, I mean, just he's Bob Ross. Everybody loves that yeah, yeah. guy. Everyone loves Bob yeah. Ross. Do you have any like um, like DVDs of his like Joy of Painting um, videos or like any of it? Any, any of it downloaded at all? Yeah, I have a. I must say I have a, a hard copy. I have more soft copies on my phone of his paintings and all of that on his YouTube channel and his old recordings and all. Hmm. Yeah. Well. Bob Ross, everybody, you know. That's the last thing I'm gonna say about that, Bob Ross. So, what do? Now, I just have a random question. What are some of your like favorite colors to put in like your um your drawings or your paintings? Like, what colors do you like to blend the most? Um, I say um blue, black, white, orange, red, and brown. Kind of like throw it. Okay, kind of broke up there a little bit. Oh, I uh, I said blue, black, white, and uh, pink, brown, and uh, orange. Pink, brown, and orange. Okay, so let's just take a couple of those uh, colors together. Like, let's say blue and brown and uh, like orange. Like, we now. We both know that colors have different meanings, but like taking a couple of those colors together, what do they mean to you? Yeah, um, blue is basically a reflection of the sky. You know, the sky, you know, when people want to talk about freedom and, you know, as free as a bird, the vast blue sky and free and all of that, I think that's the color for it too. And, um, um, for brown, um, all people are brown, you know, we are all different shades of brown. So brown is really an interesting color. And brown is also the color of the air, you know. So I really, really like that one, playing with that. And uh, as for orange, orange is like uh, the twilight. I I absolutely love the twilight, sunsets and all. And I think there's one more color I really enjoy and I really like purple. Because purple is basically the color of royalty. So I really, really like that one. That's the one. Yeah. Put purple on and you're instantly a king. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as we sort of um, get close to the end of this episode, I've got to go back to like just you as a person, as an artist, as everything you've laid out so far. You know, and let's start with your music as you know you continue to grow and to sort of like evolve as an artist mm-hmm. that's a better word as you need to evolve as an artist what's one thing about you that you never want to change um 
the for me the intentional and spiritual aspect that in the way I view music, you know, um, I say music is a big influence on society. Basically, I I'll say this um because I put out a song today and that was kind of like a, the narrative I had for it. across all different religions. There's something unique to them, no matter the belief or who, which God they serve and all of that. There's something unique to all of them. They all have music. They all have music incorporated. You see, that that goes a long way to say how important music is to religion, and we all know how important religion is to man. So you see, all it all comes together. How useful music is to society. Imagine a world like they say. Imagine a world without colors. Imagine a world without sound, without music. You know, be awful. Absolutely awful. So, you know, and I say music sits in our subconscious. People meditate on what we are saying. And I think it was J. Cole or Kendrick Lamar that said that he's very intentional about what he writes because he knows that people take it as scriptures and live by it meticulously. And that's why he, he, he strays from saying just about anything. And I think that's very useful to our society because then we have artists rapping about just about anything, saying just about anything, you know, glorifying the use of drugs, glorifying um, gangsterism and uh, a lot of awful aspects of modern day world and receives our society is digressing in those negative sides. And uh, I believe that um, the music in a society is a reflection of the needs and the wants of the people. You know, when a, a society is so much filled with um, music about making wealth, you know that there is an, there's a stronghold. Uh, poverty has a stronghold in the society that people so much want to escape it that they make music about it. Like um, a Nigerian artist, uh, literally the father of Afrobeat said, music is a spiritual thing and nobody should play with music. That when you play with music and the power of music, you are most likely going to die young. And we see artists dying young and it's like, they were so, uh, probably the ones as intentional with their craft, probably the messages they have in their craft, you know. And uh, just for someone I admire so much, he died to drug overdose that he sang so much about, that he spoke so much on. In the end, he wasn't able to defeat um, his addiction, and it took him. And we see Pop Smoke die to gun violence, and we know how much of, gun, of gangsterism was in his songs and all of that, you know? And we had um, 50 lucky enough to survive, but he got shot about nine times. And you see, it keep on repeating themselves, and it keeps on happening. And the R&B, you know, R&B artists and uh, the hypersexualization of their music. And they have, you know, several court cases on sex offenses and all of that. So I want to, I don't want to take away this, my sensitivity to music and how um, I am about my lyrics and how I'm conscious of how much it sits and resides in people's consciousness. So I don't, uh, you know, end up hurting myself and hurting others in the process. That's beautiful, man. You know, you're spreading love, you're spreading positivity, you're trying to yeah. maintain the beauty of music and what it means yeah. to you. Exactly. But there's one thing I gotta know. Um when you when you're gone, you know, just say right now, when you're not able to um continue your music or something happens, what's one song you decide to leave the music altogether? What's one song that you want people to remember you by the most? 
I haven't put the song out yet. I actually just made that song recently. Um, right. I, it's it's actually an Afrobeat song. Um, probably if I have another one, Steeple. Um, it's it talks about um, you know life is difficult and sometimes you can tempt it to t- um, take your own life and everything. But then remember the times that you came so close to giving up, but then you didn't. And um, you kept pulling through and pulling through and pulling through. It's more or less like a message of hope, you know, to hold on and keep moving on regardless. I like that. Hold on, yeah. keep going. Because uh, a, a lot of people in music especially do that too, like do not give up. Like just keep keep going because you're right. Life is difficult. There's tons of challenges, and I suspect you'll face many of those. But you're doing great things right now. And Thank so, you. I appreciate. It. Now, for my last question, what do you most? What about you? Are you most proud of? Not just as an artist, but as like just an individual. Um. As an individual, I'm most proud of. I think it's my ability to do whatever I put my mind to. You know, if I if I say today, okay, I really want to learn how to dance because dancing is something I'm not really good at. But I believe if I say, oh, I really want to dance, I will like commit my mind to it. You know, if I say I really want to do this, I commit my mind to it. I can and I will. You know, I saw a quote on Instagram on an Instagram reel. It said. Um, it was so creative to say, or was it from an anime? It's a be- It's the same for a man to die, to grow old and die without seeing the beauty that his body is capable of. So we, I, I, I think I want to stretch myself to my limits. Like Jay Z said, um, I'm not making music for the fame or for the money. I just honestly want to live my life through my God-given ability to express myself through everything I can. And for him, that's music. And for me, I want to express myself in the best way I can, really. Well, you know what? I'm cheering to that right there, ladies and gentlemen. I am cheering to that. Everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much for for, um, giving us that chance to hear you out and just hear your story. And just, yeah, just keep doing you. Just keep doing your music, all right? So uh, thank you so much. So, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes episode 23 of the upcoming. I want to give another huge thank you to Kel World of Kel World Night Shack, and I just want to give another, like, just big, like, just encouragement to just keep doing your music. Y'all making out good tracks, so just you know, just keep going, man. Just, thank you yeah, so, so much, much for And so, yeah, be sure to. Uh, stay tuned for the next episode of the upcoming. We are not just on Spotify anymore. We are now on Amazon Music, and we are also on Google Podcasts, Pandora, Stitcher, and be sure to check out our website at the-upcoming.simplecast.com, where you'll see all episodes of the upcoming. And so, yeah, that's it for this episode. Uh, we'll see you next week, and good night. Thank you for tuning in to the upcoming. If you like this, be sure to follow us on Spotify, Amazon Music, Pandora, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at the underscore upcoming podcast. That's yet to come. Take care, everybody.